This is Greg of the Philly Blunt. In this episode, we sit down with one of my local heroes, Tom Kehoe, founder, owner, and brewmaster of Yards Brewing Company. Tom sat with us at the Yards Tasting Room at 5th and Spring Garden, where he talked about the early days of brewing beer in his college dorm and his journey to becoming Philly's largest brewery and their new 70,000-square-foot facility. We talked about Yards' successes and failures, how Philly can make it easier on small businesses, and what characterizes beer brewed in Philly. Wait until you hear the song he would want played in a movie scene where he kicks down a door and enters a room. It's a great song. We just never expected this. If you can, please rate and possibly review our podcast. Those ratings and reviews help convince others to give us a listen. Follow us on socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all as the Philly Blunt to keep up on news, guests, and to submit questions for future guests. So grab a cold one and enjoy this episode with Tom Kehoe. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Philly Blunt. My name is Johnny Goodtimes. Hey, this is Greg. And uh, our good friend and cohort, Reefa Lost Cause, not here because he is going on tour. He's going to be in tour uh, throughout uh, the next couple weeks uh, throughout Europe. So we'll definitely try to hear from him. We'll definitely hear from him here in the next couple weeks, either on the podcast or uh, through Instagram or what have you. But uh, we're real excited about today's guest, a... Uh, legend of the Philly beer, uh, really in bar scene, uh, Tom Kehoe, founder uh, and president of Yards Brewery. Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks. I really uh, hold on, appreciate let's... being here. Let me give him a standing O. All right. All right. <laughs> there it is. I love everything these, this guy does with beer for the most part. <laughs> nice. Nice. Greg's not an easy critic either. Trust me. No, so that's, awesome. that's saying something. Um so, uh, Tom, you started making your own beer uh, over 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, wh- how did that come about? Well, uh, you know, we just had this idea in school. It's like you can you can make your own beer. You can go out and buy a kit. So we went out and b- we bought a kit at Home Sweet Homebrew right in uh, Philadelphia here and brought it to school and, you know, used that hot plate burner to, to boil everything up. And now, where, made, was school? Made, where was school? So this was at Western Maryland. So we, you know, just uh, in the dorm, cleaned the bottles. They, they weren't very hard to get, you know, since we had a lot of extra bottles uh, lying around. And uh, we were cleaning bottles, boiling uh, wort, and adding hops. And it was, we thought we were, you know, baking beer. And, you know, we, we, and it's great. When you first make your first batch, you love it. Right, you right, know, right, no matter how bad it is, but it wasn't that bad. <laughs> right. So I think we got a little bit of encouragement from uh, from our fraternity brothers and stuff like that, which was a lot of fun. Right at that time, there were wasn't much choice in the way of beer, right? Because there was pretty much by the late eighties, uh, like the smaller breweries had all been swallowed up by the big guys. There was only what four or five big guys, right? And there was really nothing out there. So was that? Do you think is that what piqued your curiosity? It's like, all right, well now I've tried, you know, all the Budweiser and all the Miller products. What's left? Well, you know, it's funny when I was to bring it back even further uh, from that 1988 when we were doing the home brewing. 1983, uh, we we decided to have this little club at prep school called the uh, Varsity Beer Club. So we would buy imported beer and be like, oh, trying all this different beer. We were into it back then. How old are you here? I am. I was. Uh, 18. The actual drinking right. age was 19 okay. back then. So, it, uh, 
so we ended up taking this. Uh, well, from from there, I went to Lehigh, and we went to this place, uh, Dunderbox, in the Lehigh Valley Mall. And it was the, you know, we're trying all these different beers, and it's stuff I've had before. And there's one I didn't have, and I'm like, wow, I got to try this beer. It's made in U.S. And it's with all these imports. It was Anchor Steam. Mm. So I had my mm. first Anchor Steam there and realized, like, oh, my God, people in the U.S. can brew awesome beer just like this stuff we're looking for in the imports. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when the whole spark started and I started getting more into different kind of beers and things like that. So is this kind of a nerdy scene? I mean, late 80s, beer kits, um, you know, it's... <laughs> You know, it's not like now where like craft beer is like the coolest thing going. It sounds like it's a little bit like kind of this cultish underground thing. It, it really was. It was it was very underground in a sense because you know people just wanted beer, but you know a lot of times when you're kind of the guy in college, you'll drink like a good beer before you go out, and then you'll drink whatever's right. twenty five cents. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So the idea was yeah. this: when, when we were making our beer, we were kind of touting this is like this is our good beer we're going to have ahead of time and we really limited and we had a bunch of people that always wanted to try it so it was a lot of fun to you know have the beer for that so how do you get from that to 94 you and john brevitt starting yards get us get us from the late 80s into 94 so end up uh right right after school working at a brewery down in maryland it was the british brewing company and it was it turned out to be a place where a lot of people apprenticed early on because they would go through brewers you know they had their main head brewer which was an awesome guy his name is steve uh parks well he was teaching us what to do we were there basically bottling beer cleaning kegs you know and watching when everybody else brewed and things like that so we got the kind of the idea of like hey this is no different than what we're doing making our home brew but it's on a much bigger scale you you got that position you i read that you started volunteering yeah so you are you just obsessed at that point where well, you just wanted we, we, to be well, around it? So, so we ended up going down there and uh, going doing a little tour. So the next weekend I showed up and did the tour again. And a couple of our guys came with us. And <laughs> probably five or six weekends in a row, we kept showing up. And they're like, you again? <laughs> right. Because brewery tours weren't big back then. Sure. But we kept showing up, <laughs> yeah. grabbing some beers and just hanging out and talking to them. Uh-huh. And eventually, you know, ended up started uh, starting to work there. Okay. Yeah. So finally, just like, you're like, I'm just going like, to come back. You know, keep coming back for free, or <laughs> yeah. you can just go ahead and hire me. Right. Yeah. They, they they knew us. So they're like, hey, give me a hand with this. We got to finish this up today, and I would right. go in there and like help them out with something. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, it's like we're volunteering to work there. Were you ever thinking this is an actual career path, or is back then you're just a young guy just saying, oh, oh my gosh, it's a job that I actually enjoy doing? Well, it, we, we thought like, yeah, this wouldn't it be great to open your own brewery someday. You know, and that, that was kind of the thought. It's like, yeah, we, it'd be awesome to do this. And, you know, we're just like, how are we going to do this? So, you know, we're college kids. We're like, all right, we'll go raise money. So we wrote a business plan and like they're look, looking at us like, well, you're like a restaurant. We're not going to, you know, we're, you can't compete with Budweiser. Right. And right. we're just like, well, we're not, we don't want to. And it, nobody understood that. Right. So, wow. so it was uh, a little hard to try to get people to say like, you know, they would invest in you and things like that. So we, we got jobs after that. Mm-hmm. We went and, you know, we were getting jobs doing, and I was doing everything from uh, putting little kids on rides in malls to, uh, <laughs> you know, trying to get a, a couple, uh, you know, commercial jobs doing some acting. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, which is actually pretty funny. So and then that actually probably paid the best and, uh, you know, did the most for me. Acting? <laughs> acting, yeah. yeah. What kind of roles were you doing? So I did a bug commercial. 
a Budweiser? Bud, Bud Light, yes. Oh, Bud Light, wow. Bud Light commercial. And if you actually go to my our website and click on, I don't even know if we still do the, the personal page, but if you click on me, it'll send you to uh, to the YouTube thing of our of the Budweiser commercial. What does that pay back then? That was um, that was a one time, and I think it paid like you know six hundred bucks or something. Pretty like that. good though, right? Yeah, but you know I ended up doing like PA lottery commercials <laughs> and stuff like that. You know before Gus, yeah, yeah. right, yeah. And, for, for he he and, took all the humans out of the equation, and that thing was yeah. amazing because it ran for like three years, and I would get residuals every three oh, months. Oh, nice! It was awesome. Yeah, and I was union because I, it was a force join because I ended up you know thinking I was going to try to do this acting stuff for a little while and got. You know, two union gigs in a row, and one was just being an extra in the Fisher gang. Oh, ran, ran yeah, up to yeah, New York, yeah, nice. ran up to New York, and did a did an extra role there. And then it's like, are I'm you in fo- the background of the I'm, Fisher King? I am. <laughs> you made so, the final cut. <laughs> made the final cut. You can see the back of me. I'm dancing with. So that scene is really funny because we're in Grand Central Station, and it's when I guess Robin Williams is kind of in a fantasy world. Five o'clock. Everybody's commuting. They had the time set to five. It was filmed in the middle of the night. And then everybody stops. Like a disco ball starts going around. Everybody pairs off and starts dancing. And he goes walking through looking for the girl that he, you know, that he was looking for. So it was pretty good. You see, you see my back go by the camera. And I'm dancing with a lady in a yellow dress. So <laughs> pretty funny. Did you make all your friends have to watch the whole movie for that scene? Yeah, like, hold on, guys. Here it comes. Here it comes. That's my back. Uh, yeah. That's any my any back. residuals from that? <laughs> no, that was a one-time thing. It was a, that was just extra work. So, so in '94, you and uh, is it John Bovit? John Bovit, yeah. Okay, and he was a college buddy of yours. Yeah, we were in the same fraternity in the same dorm, wrestling team together, and uh, you know, we just were always talking about you know doing this, and I think it was one one day we sort of talked to each other. It's like, look, if we don't do it, we're never going to do it, and right. we. He had a place where he found it was going to make equipment for us and everything. I was just like, all right. We ran up the credit cards, did what cash we had to get the uh, the building that we started out on, uh, 219 Crams Avenue in Maniunk. And it, was like a, it was like a garage, it right? Was, yeah, it pretty much was. You had to go through the building, and then in the back area, there was like almost... Like you know, two like working working spaces, mm-hmm. and we took the one, and you know, just uh, it's a it was about a thousand square feet. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, pretty small. Yeah, it was. It's actually the same size as the garage behind me. <laughs> Here in the brewery, the garage space—that's right. the exact size of the brewery when we started. Oh no, kidding! Was, guys, was that inspired yeah. by the garage, the garage <laughs> well, space here? Or? Yeah. It, well, I mean, I mean that that's what that space was was meant to be. Okay. Yeah, the oh, same cool. size as, as oh, yours. Very cool. I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. Uh, so you start out, and and what's your what's your game plan? Are you going to wholesale to restaurants? Or are you thinking you're going to make six packs and cans? What were you thinking at that point? So we, there's not there's not a huge at that at that time there's not really much of a demand for craft beer, no, right? No, and we and we still needed thought we needed a niche, so we did cra- cask ale. That was our big thing. We wanted to do English ales. We wanted to do cask ales. That's how the whole yard started. I mean, we worked at a British Brewing Company, and we knew we were going to be doing English English beer. So. You, you come out and you do this ale that not only is it not something anybody's selling, but it's it's a cask ale, so yep. it's not as cold as people are used to drinking, right. and it's also not as fermented or not as <laughs> carbonated as people are used to. Exactly. So, again, you're kind of making a product that nobody knows they want yet, right? Exactly, which was really interesting because we knew we would be able to, you know, the hard thing was finding tap space. Now, there wasn't multi-tap bars. So we only had, like, maybe four taps that are most... For the most part, 
And we knew we weren't going to be able to afford canning or bottling equipment. We just knew we were going to do kegs. The hardest way to sell beer. <laughs> right, you know? right. So we, we went there and we said, you can get a beer engine and put that right next to you and just run a, run a line down to your cold box. So we had a few places right away do the beer engine. They didn't have to give up any of their taps. And they were able to serve yards. Did you did you provide the beer engine? We didn't. Mm-hmm. We uh, we we talked them into buying. Wow. Yeah, which was kind of crazy. The first one right off the bat did it was uh was uh Dawson Street Pub. Are you the, you're not the head brewer here, or well, are you? Well, how does that work? So I'm not. I don't really brew anymore. But I'm part of the whole. I, I guess I would be considered brewmaster. Okay. Uh, but I I'm I'm not really doing any brewing anymore. I mean, we do taste panels. We do all that kind of stuff. Deciding what goes on. And I'm I'm more. You know, being the face of the company that I am actually brewing every day because we got guys that can do that. So what's what's the process? How do you get from how do you get from hey I got an idea to <laughs> this thing and right in front of me here? You mean just for like any beer? Yeah. So let's yeah. How do you come up with? Um, so I mean, like a lot like just say um, one of our brewers, Josh, he decided to do a uh, cask of uh, adding some peach to a Philly Pale. So. That right now, he um, did a firkin of it. It sold like right away. Everybody loved it. So he's like, "Okay, I want to try it as a small batch." So now we we're, now we're going to go to do a pilot system of that and do a small batch of it. So it'll be a peach pale ale, and just see how that how that goes out and how it's received, how it's received here at the at the uh, tap room, and then we'll see if it actually becomes a beer. I mean, part of what we always talk about, we said in the beginning. When we were making beer back in Maniunk in that small system, it's like, you know, we brew all this beer for us. Whatever we can't finish, we sell. <laughs> you know, because we have to like it. We have to really love the right, beer. Right, if right, right. If not, you're not going to have buy-in by the people selling it. You're not going to have buy-in by the people that are making it. You're just, you know. Right. You want to love this thing, and that's uh, that's what we do with all our beers. So, yeah. so, so why isn't Philly Pale the beer in Philadelphia? Why is it still lager? This is a far inferior product. You know, if you go around town, everyone's got lager on. Yep. Everyone. Why isn't Philly Pale on every beer tab? Why isn't the standard in Philly? In my opinion, it should be, but why isn't it? I mean, we're small. We don't have that marketing dollars. I think, you know, it's uh, it's pushed harder. There's a lot uh, of politics at I mean, play. In that, the beginning, yeah. it was, I mean, lager was cheaper. You know, right now, lager is not, not, it's not cheap beer anymore. So Why is that? I think, uh, you know, Gingling's grown and they've uh, spent a lot more money on the brewery, so they don't own everything anymore. They're still paying it off. Mm-hmm. So I think that increased some of the, you know, they were they took price in a sense that they didn't have to keep that that low. They didn't have to be. And everybody else is uh, taking price in a sense, like Budweiser and stuff like that, because Budweiser's lost volume of sales over the okay, last, the last so many years. Yeah. Killed, yeah. But they're still profitable and probably more profitable than ever because they raised their price a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's because of craft guys like us charging a higher price. They can charge higher price because they're still going right. to be you know, $10 cheaper than us right. and they're making $3 more a case than they did 10 years ago. You know, what are the pluses and minuses of creating something, creating a business like this in Philadelphia of all places? Well, I mean, the great thing is, you know, the support you get from the people. I mean, like no other other place, I think, you know, you have people that absolutely love what you're doing and are on your side and are fighting for you. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's hard to become a brand in Philadelphia. 
it takes time and you got to be like honest with it with yourself and you know honest with what you're doing i mean don't try to you know do anything that's gonna i guess sort of change people's opinion of you or don't try to put something out that's like oh this is philly's beer it's like you know no right. it's it's got to happen naturally so after years of explosive growth for craft beers, there seem to be a few obstacles going up just in the last couple of years, and I'm sure you're aware of all this stuff. But a couple of things that I, I've been reading about in like Bloomberg and stuff, and, and part of that is younger people uh, not as much, not as big into beer as say our generation was. Uh, whether it's because too many calories and they're trying to do, you know, they're trying to do the whatever diet, or there's uh, also, another thing that you've kind of got to compete with these days is marijuana. Yeah. I think marijuana, now that it's becoming legal, is becoming, you know, alcohol's kind of a, alcohol and coffee have kind of been the drugs of choice, and right. now you're adding a third drug of choice to the to the mix there. Like, how is how are you set up to handle those challenges, and how is craft beer in general set up to handle those challenges? So, a lot of things happening with that. I mean, we we, we look at Colorado and see what's happening there. See that we see a little loss of. Uh, of, of beer sales, be, and which are directly relating to pot, the, yeah. the cannabis, the marijuana, things like that. But it's funny, I think about my friends who smoke a lot of pot, and they drink a lot of beer too. And even <laughs> if it becomes legal, they're, legal, they're not going to change their, their habits. Right. You know, it's just that person that everybody's going for that's on the edge. It's like, do I, you know, someone that might choose beer might choose some of the local distilleries, which are making an impact, or might be choosing cider or something like that. You know, trying to get them to beer. And I think what's happening, it's kind of like what's happened with the IPA. You know, the IPA are these big, strong beers, and everybody loves them, and they can only have one or two. But if they want to have three or four beers, they might have one or two, but then they have to have something that's a little bit lighter, a little bit easier drinking. We we have that option, so we're good. We're, we're glad we have that that's popular, like the Philly Pale and a Brawler. So, you know, we want to think, like, okay, if they're going out doing something else, or even if they're having a mixed drink, to come back to some of the things that are, you know, another option that they can slow down and have a beer. I think that's part of it. It's like slow down, have a beer, you know, because everything's so quick. I mean, if you do some of those uh, cannabis things, you could be, you know, getting there very quickly. Where, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, where you, you know, right. you know, you have no chance to slow down. I, right. I don't know who these people are. I mean, I, I, I smoke <laughs> a substantial amount of marijuana. It hasn't decreased my beer drinking at all. Exactly. Well, and you would think, you know, you could dry mouth, you'd be drinking more. Absolutely. <laughs> Are you feeling any of the um, the light beer pressure? Uh, in the sense that, like, Dolphin's Head just came out with a slightly mighty, and that appeals to me as someone who is yeah. the, struggling on the elliptical to drop some pounds. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a big part of it. I mean, you know, our two beers are actually pretty, you know, Brawler and Philly Pale are actually pretty low in calories to begin with. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to change them. But to come out with a light beer... I don't know. I mean, you, I think you, you I, can't get in the uh, double digits of calories and <laughs> a little 99. You can, but I, I worried it's not going to be a, a, a good product or one that we're going to want to stand behind. So uh, I got some I got some questions. We had uh, put it out on Facebook that pe- for people to ask us. Oh, cool. uh, so I got one from Victor Fiorillo. Okay. Uh, Philly Mag. And, of course, this is, this is Victor's. You've obviously had a lot of success at Yards, but what has been your biggest failure there in terms of a product <laughs> launch, marketing idea, et cetera? Uh, gosh. I just think our, our, our biggest failure is uh, not doing what we're doing now earlier. 
I mean, having this whole tap room, be able to engage people, I think that's a big part of uh, you know what we should be always doing and what we should be doing with all, all the breweries. You know, setting a good example and making sure that everybody you know sees sees what brewing is all about, and just making more genuine to the to the industry because mm-hmm. you know eventually we're going to need support. There's a lot of a lot of crazy laws being introduced right now and things like that changing uh, the way beer is sold in Pennsylvania, and we might need public support to you know make sure that we're uh, you know not not taken advantage of. So I have a question from a mutual friend of ours, uh, producer of 97.5 The Fanatic Morning Show, Jamie Lynch, who is a proud papa. Just have his uh, baby girl Skylar. Awesome. Shout out to Skylar. He's the best part of that show. So uh, he says uh, he wants to know, Tom, what's the Philadelphia style of brewing if you had to pinpoint it? We, I mean, this is like, like almost an East Coast thing, but I don't want to talk about the whole New England dark thing. But, you know, West Coast, we know, is hops. It's just hops all day long. Philadelphia is actually does really balanced beers. I mean, our beers, a lot of them, our IPA are very balanced. They're, you know, they're, they're you know, they're an IPA because that's what that's what they're supposed to be. They got the hop, the character, things like that. But they're balanced. Even even Philly Pale Ale, which is you know assertive, it's still a balanced beer. And I think that's uh, what what Philly has going for it. And and I see that in a lot of breweries around us in in, in this area. Mm-hmm. They produce beers that. You know, we'll give you malt. They will give you hops. They'll give you everything you want, and it doesn't trend. It doesn't translate like across all the way down to California because it's all hops all day, every day. You can't find a malty beer if you tried. Like if you went to Canada, it's all malty beers. It's amazing, which is pretty cool. You know, because right. it's like a different style. And these people are really into it. But maybe maybe it's the weather. I'm not sure. But I think Philly is just balanced, and it's like it's like traditional beers, and that's what we really do. I had a question from a guy, Timmy Mack, uh, who said he wanted to hear about you acquiring the president's recipes for the ales of the revolution, the the Jefferson Ale, the Washington yeah. Porter, and the Franklin Ale. So we worked with the City Tavern. The City Tavern had a couple other breweries doing just that, brewing those beer for them. But, you know, it turned out they weren't really getting, enough, you know, what they called an authentic recipe. They were getting some other beers that were just sort of like, yeah, you can call this Washington's Porter. We'll, <laughs> right. we'll let you do that. So... When I when we were approached by them, we were still small, and we were just like, yeah, we can make these for you, and you know, we're, we'd be happy to, you know, make that recipe and things like that. Some things we had to change a little bit just because there's so much molasses <laughs> in in, uh, in some of those beers. It's yeah. like molasses when you ferment a lot just, of it just turns tastes into, like turns into syrup. A, yeah. yeah, it turns into a rough wine. <laughs> so so we made it, you know, everything real palatable, and they try to have the molasses in there to be part of the spirit of the beer and things like that. And when we were researching Jefferson's recipe, Dock Street did Jefferson's recipe too. They were selling it to them, but they couldn't really always keep up with demand for the city tavern and stuff like that. So we ended up doing it. And when we were looking at the recipe, it was a lot of wheat in there, which we, we still kept in, but it was like 11 to 13%. Right. And it was like, there's no way we're putting 11 to 13% <laughs> beer out there all the time, especially to tourists, tourists. that are going to be walking <laughs> around know. Old City. Yeah. So... So it's still strong. It's it's eight percent. Right. It's got a great a great character at eight yeah. percent. You know it's strong. You yeah, know I like that. I liked the Jefferson a lot. I liked it back then. I still do. Yeah, it really That's is. A good it really one. is a fun beer. This is from uh, Andy Jaspin. What other small companies in other industries do you admire, and why? Um. Well, I recently met the Go Puff guys. Okay. And I think they're just like you know just sort of setting. Setting like uh, you know, branching out on totally new horizons on on how to 
you know, deliver things to people's houses, things like that. And I think that was really, but really impressed with that. The, uh, I think Philly.com did a piece on this this week about like um, the small craft brewery and people of color and why yes. they're not involved either on the brewing side or actually the, even as consumers, they don't seem to be, cons- uh, maybe I'm wrong, maybe your demographics say otherwise, but I think in Philly, which is a largely uh, people of color make up a huge percentage of the population, they're not consuming craft brew. Is that true? Why? If- it is true, and I wish it wasn't. I mean, they even talked the same thing, you know, years ago about females not, not uh, you know, be, being into the beer scene. But you know what? I'm finding women are getting in a lot more into beer. We just had a Women in Beer Festival, uh, I guess, this, this past weekend. And I think it's going to come. I think I think it's just a matter of time. People like Harris Family Brewery that are getting into it, you know, bringing people in. I mean, there's plenty of, you know, famous, you know, in a sense, black brewers, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just a matter of just, you know, it just takes time for them to find find their groove. Can I ask you one more? Um, I had, like, in my childhood, I had my beer moment. I was, like, 14 working at a butcher shop, and my boss, Ray, was a heavy beer drinker. So Friday at 6 o'clock, deli, butcher shop closes, and he cracks open a Miller Lite and hands it to me and the other 14-year-old. And we're like, yes. It was, like, the greatest beer moment, beer tasting. You finish the work week off with a nice beer. Do you have that in your... Do you remember the first time, like, beer as a kid or a college student I was like wow this this is amazing well I mean that first wow moment was that uh, uh, the the anchor steam that I talked about mm. I mean and then it was the first beer moment which it was like I was at my dad's softball game I was probably six years old running around the water fountain was broke and I kept complaining I want something to drink I want something to drink and the one guy Uncle Joe I guess he was we all they, they were all they were all uncles on the on the softball team we all just, had that just, Uncle Joe just gives me a Miller High Life says here drink this and I went behind the, and I drank the whole thing and my, my dad comes over to me he's just like what are you doing with that and I'm just like Uncle Joe gave it to me and it was empty and he's like did you drink that whole thing I'm like yeah Um, all right. Do we want to uh, want to go to the Philly Blunt time? Philly Blunt. All right. All right. All right. Here we so, go. So this will be a rapid fire. Yeah. Just first uh, thing. Yeah. Three. First thing you think oh, of. Sorry. Go with. <laughs> if you could instantly become an expert in something, what would it be? Playing an instrument. Any instrument in particular? Nope. All right. <laughs> So I do this all the time. I stalk people's Twitter accounts, and I see <laughs> you are following Anna Kendrick. So uh, favorite movie, or she's just hot? Uh, you know, I she did that GQ shoot, which was just awesome, and I, I think I saw her, like, you know, in the, uh, what was it, the Pitch Perfect? Yeah. My wife laughs at me because I will watch that movie. <laughs> yeah. And, I, you know, and she's just actually pretty funny. She also did the, the movie, I think when I started following her, was Beer Buddies. <laughs> I think we would determine she's just hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I saw, I, yeah, I saw, I saw Tom's uh, Twitter account. I think the last tweet was in November. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. It was, and it was okay. He just wrote okay. He's a, he's a stalker. He's a stalker. That's right. <laughs> if you had your own talk show, who would be your first guest? Well, if, if I if I could do like a historic guest, I would love to have Thomas Jefferson on there. You know, just because you know the the amazing, you know thought of the time and especially how relevant it is now to to our to our government mm-hmm. right <laughs> if you could have any song band or artist 
do a yards commercial, who or what would it be? I like this. Uh, I I kind of always thought like you know Violent Femmes would do a really good uh, yards. Uh, yeah, that'd be it. Jingle. Yeah. yeah. Favorite place that you've ever visited? Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's one we've never gone before. I hear it's a great drinking town. Loved going there. It was just such a. I mean, I was there for a little beer convention, and people always say like, you know, places we've never been to that, and I, I'm just like, Milwaukee's just. It's just. It was just a fun time. It was really cool. Age, you lost your virginity. <laughs> uh, 24. I was late. I was careful. <laughs> <laughs> You're busy brewing beers, man. Yeah. Like, you had your mind focused on hops. Yeah. yeah, they were. I told you it was kind of a nerd crowd. They were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, the right. girls weren't like, "Hey, what are you?" After yeah, the Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, they were you brewing beer beers. Kids? That's right. No, I'm right there. I'm right there. I, I, I'm a quizzo host. I can't rag anybody too hard for being a nerd. Um, favorite place you've or place you'd love to visit that you haven't been. Vancouver. Oh, oh, Greg just I got just back came yesterday. Back to, don't spend more than a long weekend there. <laughs> I did six days and it was four days too much. Well, unless you love hiking and walking in parks. Well, the funny thing is, I've been to. Uh, I, I'm going this year to uh, uh, not Cardiff, uh, Calgary. Yeah. So for a Master Brewers uh, convention, so it's not far. Just haven't made it up to Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a weekend. Weekend. Okay. What? Uh, what is it's my turn, ain't it? Oh, oh yeah, you're right. Go ahead. <laughs> so I've been in a fantasy football league or two with Tom over the years. Have you ever won a fantasy football league? I have. I've won. I'm three-time winner of my big league, which is uh, one of the leagues I started over twenty some years ago. So all right. Yes, I and the rules are much different the way we play them. It's an overall. Tom always wins. That's the rule. <laughs> <laughs> it's an overall uh, score thing. And oh, it, yeah, yeah. It, it, the head-to-head, we don't even yeah, do. I, yeah. So, you know, me getting into the whole head-to-head just hasn't been a, uh, a winning combination. <laughs> yeah. any the ro- the rotisserie is where yes. you're at. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I do that for, for <laughs> fantasy baseball. Speaking of nerds, I, yeah. I do the yeah. fantasy baseball rotisserie league. Yes. Um, what is your theme music when you're in a movie and you kick open the, uh, you kick open the door? What, 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 what song starts playing? Uh, Delight, Rumors in the Heart. <laughs> Love that song. Gangster. Would have never, never. Right would have, that wouldn't even be in my top 200 for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you like acting. I've used this question before. It's a pet peeve of mine. Is Tom Hanks a good actor? Yes. This is where... In your face, Greg. Yeah, well, yeah. here's the thing. You know, we always knew that, you know, we always thought that one of these comedic actors, mm-hmm. that, you know, which is comedy is pretty hard, mm-hmm. and that would become and become a real good dramatic actor and just because they're good in comedy mm-hmm. and they're faking it. And, but it, it ends up being really good. I always thought it was going to be Michael Keaton was going to be that guy, mm-hmm. but it turned out it was, uh, it was uh, Tom Hanks. Would you rather have more time or more money? More time. How important was Sugar Moms to uh, the craft brew scene back in the the day? I knew that. I know that's where I started drinking. Like Young's Ramrod became my favorite beer, and yeah, it's uh, 
Sugar Moms was huge. I mean, it's a place we would go. We would deliver like on a Friday night, things like that. And so we'd stay, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, funny things like that. Uh, Kathy was uh, just an amazing person that really took care of us, you know, would invite us to like our company picnics and things like that. And it was funny that the time she ended, we ended up going to one of her company picnics. Uh, she brings her dad over and goes, you know, this is Tommy Kehoe. He's the run that runs a brewery. And he goes, Kehoe. <laughs> Do you have an uncle named Bill? And I go, yes. And he goes, you're related. <laughs> so I'm, I was related to Kathy in, 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 in this really? carny sort of really? sense. Yes. Wow. Yes. <laughs> so we're, we're in the yards. What are you? Tasting room. Tap the, room. Tasting tap, room. Yep. Yeah. Uh, where the brewery now is. Yes. Uh, what percentage when you so this place just opened? Uh, what last year, year before? Huh. Yeah, last we're, year? we're we're a little over a year old. Just a week before Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving before last. Yeah. Okay, so you open you open this pretty massive spot. Yeah, uh, beautiful, uh, hold, beautiful yeah, yeah, beautiful spot. Yeah, and we're it, very proud of it. Yeah, whole different level than you know. I mean, I liked the last place. I, I was there yeah. too, but this is just kind of on a different level. So when, when you look around, like you ever say to yourself. Holy shit! Like this started in a garage, and here we are. And like I've got this amazing. And I'm on the room. Philly Blunt. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I finally How arrived. I get here? <laughs> finally, 25 years. I finally made it on the yeah. Philly Blunt. Uh, you know, when you when you look around, you're like, you know, or, or are you still just constantly focused forward? Do you ever do you ever take it in, or do you always just focus on the next thing? I take it in, but at the same time, it's like, I, 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 of course, I'm getting distracted with something else. It's <laughs> right. funny. We're, 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 do, we're setting up for our 25th anniversary right. this year. So we're coming out with a beer, things like that. And uh, I end up pulling out some old tapes of some, some uh, like interviews that were done. I think I was on uh, the Larry Kane show or something <laughs> like that. And nice. it was gonna be, they called it Micro Madness. And it was like Terry McLeish or something like that that did the, uh, the interview. And wow. it, it was at the old the old brewery, and it's just like it's like you look so young, and it was like so much energy. It's like wow. So I have one more. You you were a wrestler. I wrestled. Yes. What's your finishing move? <laughs> I was pretty big on the uh, three quarter Nelson. All right. Yeah. Uh, I was hoping you came off the top rope. <laughs> <laughs> the camel clutch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks so much, Tom. Absolutely. Uh, awesome yeah, stop by. Stop you. by the tasting room, Fifth and Spring Garden. It's beautiful. Oh yeah, yeah, incredible yeah. space and yeah. and great beer. And we're you know we're, as as Philly guys, we're it's pretty cool to have something this you know this local. You know, I mean, you really were a big part of the whole brew scene in the country, not just in Philadelphia. Yeah. So it's it's wherever I travel, honor. I'm always proud to tell them come to Philly, grab a yards pale ale. Yeah. yeah, I think our number was like 679, something like that. Of brew- when 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 we were a brewery, we we moved the number up to, you know, we weren't even 700 breweries yet in the whole country. In the whole country, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. All right, well, thanks so much, Tom. Great talking to you, and continued success. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, guys. Covered in blood, the man's office is covered in bugs. The youth dreams cut short. Swept-